Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Shenandoah Speaks. This morning, I have another special guest with me, Dr. Mark Johnston, the um, superintendent of Shenandoah County Public Schools. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Good. Um, your time as superintendent has gone by really quickly. I feel like it was just yesterday that you went into office. Um, for you, what has been the best part of overseeing Shenandoah County Public Schools? Um, I would have to say it's been the relationships with, with the students, with the faculties, with the staff. Um, I really enjoy working with people. I uh, have a great appreciation for the work they do. That includes our students as well and their accomplishments. But I also realize that oftentimes their accomplishments are a testament to the work of our staff and helping support that and opening up opportunities. And I, that really fulfills me. Um, what is the hardest part about being superintendent? Um, I think probably the hardest part, first of all, let me say, um, oftentimes people will say to me, I wouldn't want your job. Your job is very hard. I have to say, <clears throat> for me, I believe everybody's job is hard. I've, held, I've had, had a number of positions in my career in education, and, and every one of them I always gave it my all. And I don't think being superintendent is any harder than being a teacher or being a classroom assistant or being a bus driver or custodian um, or principal. Um, I think all of our jobs are really hard and really important. Um, so I would say that. But I think probably the most frustrating part for me is when uninformed people in our community relate information that's just not accurate and that paints a picture of our school division that's just not true. A good example would be, you know, with social media and so on, um, let's say that we have a fight among students in a school, two students get into a, a row and, you know, Fights have occurred in schools yes. since I was in school many, many years ago. And while they're unpleasant, I think with social media today, those things get promoted and get spread. And it creates this perception among our community, oftentimes, or some members of our community, that that's the culture of our schools. Mm -hmm. And it's not. So, for example, you might have a fight two months ago. And I can walk into the school any day and I don't see that because it's a very rare occurrence. Yet when it gets spread on social media, it causes people to believe that that's the nature of schools and public education. And it's just not true and not accurate. Um, so I'd say that's probably the thing that frustrates me the most. Um, so that's that would be it, I think. Yeah, that's definitely a huge factor in, um, you know, everybody's school experience, you know, whether it's teachers seeing fights or students, it's its definitely overused and overplayed in the media. Um, but aside from that, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing public education within like the next 10 years, maybe? In my view, we're undergoing a tremendous change in public education. Our culture and our economy is undergoing great change. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at a critical moment to decide whether public education is going to keep up with that change and keep preparing students. Um, for example, you know, a researcher I have a lot of respect for, and I apologize, I don't remember the name, <laughs> was 
saying, so we prepared kids for an industrial economy, Mm -hmm. you know, the assembly line. You went to these classes, you sat in rows, everybody learned the same things. In our lives, in our culture, in our society, where we've got a lot of challenges coming ahead of us, we've always have, I think some now more dire than others. And I think it's, you know, what the research shows me is that we need to be shifting public education to have students learning how to solve problems in our own communities. And those have, because the problems in our community are not that different from the problems across the Commonwealth of Virginia or across the nation. We're all faced with, for example, more and more now entrepreneurial type of experiences. You know, when I see kids or young adults who are successful by recognizing what people need and then providing that service and going out and doing that as a business opportunity. They're helping to solve a need in their community, but they're also in many cases problem solving. So for example, uh, you know, projects I've seen are kids who um, were, uh, these. this was a governor's school project, but kids were employed, well, or were hard at work researching trying to help a local farmer minimize erosion of a stream bed that was running through his agricultural property. So, of course, that stream was cutting up pasture, uh, was cutting up opportunities to grow crops uh, because it's eroding good farmland. And so that's a real world problem. Yeah. That's in our community, and that's across, that's across Virginia and across much, many parts of our nation. And that's just one example. I mean, I could go into any school at any grade level and identify projects like that. You know, food drives, resource needs in our community. You know, kids at uh, Peter Muhlenberg were doing a a project where they were designing an energy efficient school. Um, You know, we're ready to install our first solar project down at Triplet Tech, which will provide all the electrical energy will then come from solar once that's fully installed, which over the next 30 years will save our school division about a half a million dollars, which then can be money put towards instruction and for other things rather than just energy costs. Those are all local issues, local Mm -hmm. problems. And I think that's what public education is becoming. And so our, our challenge really is... Can we, as administrators and teachers, create environments and learning environments that promote that and support that? Because I think that situates us all to be in a much better place. Yeah, that's ultimately the best education. I know I learn a lot better, like hands-on and stuff. So those type of projects where you're not only helping someone out, but learning along the way, I to me, that's yeah. the best form of education. Yeah. And it can be a little unsettling. You know, for me, I remember my first few years teaching. Um I was always a little embarrassed if a student asked a question I couldn't answer. And so I would try to, you know, just put it off or, you know, couldn't respond because I wasn't going to give incorrect information. But it was embarrassing to say, I'm not sure. I don't I'm not I don't know that. But I quickly learned that we could we could find the answer together and trying to build that trust with my students that it was okay not to know everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's particularly true today where you so much information is available at our fingertips. Um, I'm a great fan of Google. Um, <laughs> so I try not to cram my brain full of memorizing a whole bunch <laughs> of stuff because I know I'll be able to retrieve yeah. things quickly. Um, so I like to think kind of a little more broadly than just trying little facts and details along the way. So I think that's another smaller issue um, that public education is facing is the the pressure on teachers to know everything. Yes. So that's definitely something to review 
in the upcoming yeah. years. Well, and when you start into projects where you don't know the answers when you begin, you know, it, it can be unsettling for a teacher to say, I don't know where this is leading. And for the students, <laughs> yeah. you know, to realize, I don't know where this is leading, but together we're going to take this journey mm-hmm. together. And we're going to learn a lot together. Uh, I feel, you know, as a, when I was teaching, I was enriched by that. Um, I, I learned from my students um, because the questions they asked would force you to research and find information and be able to explain concepts in a way that maybe you otherwise hadn't. So you could try to get the, you know, try to get the understanding across. Um, and th- that, that was always such a fulfilling part of teaching. And I still have that innate drive and desire today. So, you know, talking with with teachers, faculties, you know, everybody about, you know, what is it they want and, and how can I help support that? Going off of that and talking about the new developments in education, what are you most looking forward to seeing evolve in public education? Um, you could do locally, like in Shenandoah County, or you could do broad spectrum. I think probably more of the really good things happening. So what I see are pockets of things everywhere. Mm-hmm at all levels, in all schools. And I'd like to see that more systemic. And that always is our challenge. Because again, we're, we're a people business and everybody has their own personalities and their own way to approach it. But I think that's a thing I look forward to is, you know, I go back to, for example, agriculture programs, family and consumer science programs. And I look at the service organizations and I see the skill set our students get I see the skill sets they get from leadership in National Honor Society, from, you know, athletic teams and serving in leadership roles there, their ability to communicate and to express themselves and really to advocate for themselves. Because ultimately, what I would hope is that everyone is gainfully employed and happy in their life and happy in their career, because that's where we're going to spend the great part of our life (laughs) is in our career. And if you're miserable doing something because you kind of felt forced into that pathway, that to me is the worst. That's that's a big disservice. Um, So I want to just see more of those opportunities that, again, build self-advocacy, self-concept, self-regulation, so that students can can see what it is going to be that's going to make them happy in their lives. And that means everything from families that they're going to raise to um, their careers to their relationships with their community. Um, I know as a senior, me and some of my classmates, we've really been thinking about that kind of stuff, like where our life is going, especially since graduation, Mm -hmm. it seems so close. Um, And we are grateful for the teachers that help us through that. And like you said, it's a people business. I mean, the teachers, Mm -hmm. they aren't here because they're getting paid to do it. They're here to help us. And that's been the most eye-opening thing for me this year is to have so much support coming Mm -hmm. out of high school and going into college. Um, And you talked about everyone having their own personality. Mm -hmm. And since you're superintendent, I feel like some people don't really get to know you as well (laughs) as if you were like a principal. So I want to do some like fun trivia questions. So the first one I have for you was, um, what was your most memorable birthday? Um, Probably when I turned 16. I have five brothers and sisters. And so in our family, birthdays were big when you were little, Mm -hmm. like one, two year old. Uh, and I'm next to the last of six, so I don't know what happened before me. <laughs> so when I, but I remember when I turned 16, uh, I came home. I, you know, I was involved in activities in school. Came home. It was maybe 
seven o'clock. It was dark. My birthday's in March. And they had a cake and candles, and it was like a surprise party. And that wasn't a usual thing. And I still remember that, like, huh, I wonder why they did all that. (laughs) Are (laughs) you a person who likes surprises, or are you just kind of, like, cautious? (laughs) I like, I I like fun. You know, if I didn't have fun doing my job, I I couldn't be doing my job. Because it can be challenging at times, but I like to have fun. I like to have fun in my life. I like to have fun when I'm at home. I like to have fun at work. Um, so I would say I I kind of like being part of surprises. <laughs> I'm not so sure I like being surprised. I, feel that. I also um, have a hard time accepting um, thanks and praise. You know, people will, will sometimes say things to me about, you know, the job I do. And I appreciate those comments and I thank them. But I don't know. I feel like I should just be doing my job and, <laughs> and I'd rather promote other people. So I, I, it does put me in a little bit of an awkward position <laughs> yeah. personally, because it's, it's not something I seek. Um, and while I do appreciate it, it, it can be a little bit unsettling. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'd like to walk into a room and just, <laughs> but there certainly have been surprises like that throughout my life and I've, I've enjoyed them. Good. So. Um, you mentioned you like to have fun. Would you mind naming a couple of things that are on your bucket list? You know, the, that's interesting you ask that question. Um, I really don't believe in bucket lists. <laughs> Here, and here's why. When I was growing up, there were a lot of challenges in our family. Um, it, was a, it was a challenging childhood in many ways. And I decided that you get one chance to go through this life. And I decided early on, I don't know how old I was. I don't know if I was 20 or 18 or what, but I made a decision that I'm not going to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I had, I wish I had done X, Y, or Z. Um, So I try to do things as I go along and take advantage of opportunities that present themselves because I don't want to get down the road and say, gee, I wish I had, and then now it's too late. So I've tried to do that. So I don't really have a bucket list. I mean, right now I'm thinking of, I, I want to take a trip to Iceland Wow! because I want to see the Northern Lights. I've yes. seen them here uh, many years ago when they were very visible. And I, I'm a kind of a science person <laughs> at heart. And um, and I get a great deal of, of enjoyment out of nature and phenomenon in nature. Uh, you know, I was just talking to a colleague yesterday about the, the trees and there are these two beautiful maple trees out her window. And I was talking with her about school matters. And I looked out the window. And I said, oh, my gosh, those trees are just beautiful. And she said, you know, you just got to stop and enjoy things as you go along. And that's kind of how I try to live my life. So That's a very good that's way worth. to live. Um, I know you have a dog named Maggie. I do. do you want to talk about her a little bit? <laughs> well, it's funny because in uh, 2015, I was director of human resources here. And we had accomplished a lot of work and I retired. And in that year off, I got a little dog. I had not had a dog since I was a kid. And those were just hunting dogs, you know, so they didn't, they weren't house dogs. So I got a dog and uh, she just fulfills the house. I have a cat that's 18 years old. Oh my God. And when I got the dog, Maggie, she's a little West Highland Terrier. So she's like the little Caesar on commercials that you see on TV. And, uh, about the first three months, they would not be in the same room together. And now they chase each other. They play. I think it's really been good for the cat because he gets a lot more exercise than he was getting. 
but it was funny just before I came to work this morning, I gave her a little kiss on the forehead. So as I headed out the door, (laughs) she's just a big part of my life. I enjoy, and I I enjoy animals. I, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I tried hunting. Mm -hmm. I just have a, I have a hard time (laughs) killing things. I don't have anything against it because I appreciate that people, especially people who hunt and, and consume the game and things like that. And I understand the management of wildlife and all that stuff. So it's it's just a personal thing for me that yeah. I don't enjoy it. I'd rather go out with a camera and take pictures. I love where I live in the Fort Valley. We get bears through there occasionally. And I love seeing black bears, for example. I've learned not to put bird feeders up or leave any <laughs> garbage out or anything like that. But I love just seeing the wildlife, the turkey, the bear, the deer, foxes. Um, had two baby gray kit foxes. I hadn't seen a gray wow. fox before in nature that were in my front yard playing you know, one evening that I was able to just watch and they were rolling around and playing. It was just the greatest thing. It's really so, cute. Yeah. But yeah, I feel you with the hunting thing. Like, I've been asked if I go hunting before. I'm like, no, like the other morning I hit a bunny on my way to work oh. and I cried about it. So like, <laughs> yeah. no hunting for me. Um, if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only have one item, what would it be and why? Hmm. Can I say a boat? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd want is a boat to get off that island. <laughs> Very resourceful. Um, if you could have lunch with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Wow. Oh, my gosh. Let me start by saying this, that everybody has a really interesting story to tell. Yes. And, uh, I mean, people who you maybe worked with for years or knew, and you just never realized things that they'd happened in their lives. and. This, the the you know the treks that they took and so on um i guess probably i'll try to avoid uh, politics because <laughs> that'll get me in trouble uh i'd say probably eleanor roosevelt oh yeah and have a health she just did so much good and she reminded me and i mean i she lived and died before i was born i believe um but she, what I learned about her, what I read about her, always reminded me of my grandmother. Uh, she was a very sweet woman. And she's, she, I remember she, she taught me to read, in fact. Um, just very gentle and always very kind. And she, she was a teacher, my grandmother was. And, uh, and she passed away when I was not very old. I was, you know, maybe 12, 13. Um, but I remember her really well. And Eleanor Roosevelt always reminded me of her because Eleanor Roosevelt did such good in the world. She, you know, she promoted peace. She was very compassionate. She seemed to gen- genuinely enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, I'd say she's probably one that I'd want to have lunch with. That's a really good pick. I like that oh, one. Thank you. <laughs> um, what's your favorite childhood memory? Um, I'm going to go back to my grandmother. Um I remember sitting on her knee as she read, and I remember the, you know, I remember the first time I could actually read. It was just I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> just, and this was before you know before I was in school, and it was because she read to me. But I just remember that those memories. Uh, my parents took us. My my grandmother and grandfather lived in a little village, and my parents always took us every Sunday to go to church with them. And they were leaders in the church. They taught Sunday school classes and 
sang in the choirs and sang and, you know, did all those things. And, um, and so every Sunday we got to see them and there were routines, like they would always do their shopping on Saturday and they would always buy us what they called a treat. And so when we'd go over Sunday for church and after church, we would get a treat, like a a bag of candy or something that we could take home. And they had a closet that had all these games, Lincoln logs, you know, different games. Um, and we would, you know, play. And I remember always, you know, can we take these home? And she knew, she knew with six kids, she she would say, well, if you keep them here, they'll be here the next time you come. <laughs> Smart gal. So we just all left them there. And, uh, and she would play the piano and sing. And I remember the sound of music. She knew all those songs. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so the, that was a very happy time, and and she was like I said, just I don't ever remember her saying a bad word about anybody. Um, she, you know, never spoke badly of anybody. She was just very kind, very compassionate, very caring, very warm, loving um, person, and that's probably what I remember the most. I think every child's weakness is their grandparents. Yes. Like all those stories, we're going to grandma's house this weekend. Yeah. You know, they're just, they spoil the grandkids and all that. But and it was interesting because she didn't really, I don't think she really spoiled us. She just was, she was just so kind and loving yeah. that you wouldn't. And I, I remember when my little brother was born. Now, my little brother was only three years younger than me, okay. three and a half years. But I remember when he was born because I went to stay with my grandmother and my sister, Naomi, stayed. Naomi and I stayed with my grandmother while he was being born. And um, I remember she had a little chicken house in the back and we would go gather eggs and there was a little creek and we'd turn over rocks and look for snakes. And she did all that stuff with Mm -hmm. us. And so while I was a little kid, you know, those years... I don't remember her ever happened to correct me because you you wouldn't have ever done anything to get her scorn, for example. Just I would have been like devastated to think that I did something where that she needed to correct me. So, Um, do you have a favorite movie, either from childhood or like a recent movie you've watched? Um, I can sit and I can watch a movie many, many times and always pick up something new on it. But I guess the one that comes to mind is I, uh, I always like the movie Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> and why, why I like that movie is how the Bill Murray character came to be a really good person. Cause he got to through trial and error, he got mm-hmm. to do things over and over again. And, and while he was, you know, didn't have the best, reason for doing that in the end he just became a different person and i and i i like i like um i like the arts and the fact what i always remember a real poignant scene in there is when he became this great uh, ability to play the piano and they walked into the room and you know there's this wonderful music playing while they're having their big party and and uh the female love interest um looks up and it's Bill Murray on the piano. And he's just, he's <laughs> wonderful. And uh, I remember, and it's a fun movie too, because he's taking piano lessons. And the first time he goes in to take piano lessons, of course, he's terrible. <laughs> but then through Groundhog Day, he keeps taking them. And and I remember his piano teacher said to him at one point, you know, many times he's in there, uh, says to him, uh, are you sure 
you've never played piano before. <laughs> so, so I just enjoyed that. Thank you for meeting with me. Those You're welcome. Questions. It was interesting to hear a story outside of, you know, just education wise. I'm going to try to put those into more interviews and get to hear people's personal story aside from what they think about education and Shenandoah County and all that. So thank you for sharing your childhood memories and your opinions on movies. <laughs> it was really enlightening. <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Music by Kevin McLeod.